Welcome to the second podcast on Understanding Faith. I'm Pam Christian, your host for the next several minutes. This show is called Faith to Live By, where we explore how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. I'm confident you'll be glad you're here as I provide part two on the topic of understanding faith. If you missed last week's podcast, you'll want to find time to listen to it to get the most out of what you'll hear today. Before I get started, I received several emails and contacts with the question about David. The man I explained broke off our relationship, which literally broke me. Well, to answer your curiosity, yes, I did marry David. We've been married over 34 years now, and we both say that it's been a dream of a marriage, as in a mild nightmare. <laughs> we had a ton to work on, but we have, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we've made it. We have two exceptional adult children who have married exceptional spouses, and our family dysfunction seems to be getting worked out instead of extending generation to generation. Praise God. But think about it. David breaking off our relationship when we were dating was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was David's dumping me that drove me to the pit of despair where I found Christ. Another example of Romans 8:28, where God promises to work all things together for good for those who love him. Amen. Last week, I expressed that what we believe is the foundation of our faith, and so we better make certain what we believe is based on truth. Truth must be the foundation of our faith, because if our faith is faulty, so is our hope. Unless our faith is based on solid truth, we can have no confidence in our ability to realize hope. Last week, we also explored how no one wants to live their life on the basis of a lie, yet many people do without realizing it. Many people believe truth is relative, which is a lie. Yet many people live under the deception of this lie. Consider with me. It is the nature of deception that the victim is unaware of their condition. When a person is deceived, they do not know they are. So how can a person be confident that they are not deceived? Well, the answer is by intentionally examining what they believe and why they believe as they do, so they can be confident their beliefs are based on truth. Now, on to part two of Understanding Faith. The trend, especially among charismatic Christians, has been to emphasize the importance of faith. However, many Christians have had an inadequate understanding of faith. Their knowledge about faith is askew. Many Christians I've talked to express a definition of faith that is consistent with the popular culture. Modern dictionaries describe faith as unfounded or blind, which actually is wishful thinking. The very definition of faith in modern dictionaries is flat out wrong. So even in the matter of rightly understanding faith, many people are deceived as evidenced by our current day dictionaries. Genuine faith is not blind, nor does it involve any measure of wishful thinking. That's not to say there is no element of the unknown to faith. There is a measure of unknown with faith. However, what is confidently known far outweighs what is unknown, which allows a person to believe for what is yet to be proven. Faith is based on knowledge that has been proven, thereby leading to a confident faith conviction. When we are wholly confident of a matter, when our faith conviction is certain, there is nothing that will cause us to give up on our faith. It's this kind of faith that allows men and women to stake their very lives on what they believe. In the same way no one ever wants to live their life on the basis of a lie, neither does anyone want their faith to be based on deception. Our faith, which is based on what we believe, must be based on objective, verifiable truth. 
truth that is confirmed with actual facts. Remember what we covered last week. There are three proof tests that must be in place in order for us to confidently conclude a matter is true. First, truth always lines up with reality. Second, only one thing can be true and all opposing matters are false. Three, the truth is universal. What's true here in California is true anywhere else in the world. Here are some explanations of faith I've personally come up with. Faith is more than belief. Faith is more than trust. And faith is based on confident knowledge of truth. Another way to say this, faith is a confident conviction of truth that inspires our ability to believe for what is yet to be seen. As you probably know, Hebrews 11.1 states it this way, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So let's examine the words substance and evidence. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines substance as a noun. First, 1a, the essential nature or the essence of a thing. 1b defines substance as a fundamental or characteristic part or quality. 2a defines substance as ultimate reality that underlies all outward manifestations and change. And 2b defines substance as practical importance in meaning and usefulness. So, the first two definitions help us understand the first part of Hebrews 11.1, which could be stated, faith is the essential nature and fundamental characteristic that powers the ultimate reality. Now let's consider the definition of the word evidence. Definition of the word as a noun is 1a, an outward sign or indication, 1b, something that furnishes proof or testimony, Definition 2 is one who bears witness, and 2a is evidence to be seen or visible. As a verb, the word substance is defined as the action of offering evidence as proof, to prove or to evince, which is to constitute outward evidence or to clearly display or reveal. So, getting back to Hebrews 11.1, 1, which says in part, faith is the evidence of things not seen. We can now understand it this way. Faith produces the evidence or proof of what we believe. Why am I drilling down so far on this? Well, because we want to see God's supernatural work in and through our lives. And in order to produce the miracle working power Christ desires us to actually produce, we need to properly understand faith. Jesus said we would do greater works than he did. And since I don't see that at this time in our world when we desperately need to see evidence of the power and the authority of Jesus, I'm spending a lot of time so we understand faith. If you've just joined us, I'm Pam Christian, your host of Faith to Live By, a new podcast that can be heard on this platform and any podcast platform you prefer. With this program, I seek to help you gain spiritual victory over life's real world issues. So getting back to the idea and understanding of faith, here's an acronym I created for the word faith, F-A-I-T-H. Fundamental acceptance of irrefutable truth that assures hope. And here's a statement that I've made and many people have actually quoted me on it. Quote, faith is like automobile insurance. It has to be in place before there's a crisis. It does no good to purchase collision insurance after there's been an accident, end quote. And if you quote me, please just spell my last name right. Okay, so it does no good to purchase auto insurance after an accident, right? Well, likewise, it does no good to gain a proper understanding about faith after a crisis where you needed your faith to sustain you. 
A sound definition of faith that I wrote and I actually emphasize in my book is a belief that has a sufficient amount of objective, verifiable evidence to allow a person to subjectively believe that which is not yet proven or not yet manifest. Okay, let me do that one again. Faith, a belief that has a sufficient amount of objective, verifiable evidence to allow a person to subjectively believe that which is not yet proven or not yet manifest. Proverbs 29, 18a says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. That's the English Standard Version. Prophetic vision is revealed knowledge given by God. Wouldn't you agree? Prophetic vision is revealed knowledge given by God. So Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Knowledge based on truth is what we must pursue if we want our faith to produce the greatest results. Again, prophetic vision is revealed knowledge given by God. The Apostle Paul revealed that knowledge can puff us up, 1 Corinthians 8.1, or cause us to be arrogant, which is to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, which the Apostle Paul warns against in Romans 12.3. I focus on the importance of balancing rational thought with spiritual realities, because in this balance, we are safeguarded against intellectual arrogance or pride, and by being in balance, we are positioned to see God's supernatural power at work in and through us. John 4.24 reveals God's people are to worship him in spirit and in truth. According to Dr. Sam Storms, whose article link is in the show notes, he says, quote, To say that we must worship God in spirit means, among other things, that it must originate from within, from the heart. It must be sincere, motivated by our love for God and our gratitude for all he is and all he has done. With a proper understanding of all Jesus has done for us, humility is the natural posture. Again, a safeguard against pride. To worship God in truth means to worship with knowledge based on truth, which comes from the revelation of God, either in his written word or in his rhema word. And the rhema word or the spoken word must always match and line up with the written word. Worship is not meant to be formed by what feels good, but by the light of what is true. Genuine Christ-exalting worship must never be mindless or based in ignorance. It must be doctrinally grounded and focused on the truth of all we know of our great triune God. To worship inconsistently with what is revealed to us in Scripture ultimately degenerates into idolatry. I'm sure you'd agree there is a divide in the church, and by the term church, I mean all who profess faith in Jesus, and the divide is between charismatics and non-charismatics. Some charismatics think focusing on experience of the Holy Spirit is to be emphasized. Some non-charismatics think emphasizing knowledge of God's word is key. One emphasizes emotional experience, the other emphasizes intellectual pursuit. Well, I firmly believe we need both and in proper balance. We need both heart and head engaged to best live the Christian life. John Piper said, Truth without emotion produces dead orthodoxy and a church full of artificial admirers. On the other hand, emotion without truth produces empty frenzy and cultivates shallow people who refuse the discipline of rigorous thought. But true worship comes from people who are deeply emotional and who love deep and sound doctrine. Strong affections for God rooted in truth are the bone and the marrow of biblical worship. 
End quote. I love that by John Piper. So we've covered that faith must have the foundation of knowledge that is based on sound truth. At the same time, faith must be fueled or inspired by the Spirit of God at work within us. When both are in place and in balance, we have a faith that pleases God. This should help you better understand the biblical statement from Hebrews 11.6, which says, For without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw nearer to God must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That is to say, he rewards those who believe in him, who also seek him in spirit and in truth. All this about faith helps us better understand the importance of the quality of faith that we must possess and exercise if we want to see the Lord work supernaturally in our lives for the benefit of many and all for his glory. Let me explain it another way. The Bible is written. It's a written, tangible document. We can study it. We have historical evidence in support of it. We have eyewitness testimony that verifies claims within the Bible. We have mathematical evidence in support of the prophetic claims in the Bible. And we have manuscript evidence that verify the contents and the claims of the Bible. In fact, there is more objective, verifiable evidence in support of the Bible than there is for any other document of religious authority, meaning the Quran, the Tripitaka, the Upanishads, which are the sacred documents of the Muslims, the Buddhists, and the Hindus. Those documents do not have as much objective, verifiable evidence in support of them as the Bible has in support of it. However, our personal experiences with the Holy Spirit are subjective and cannot be verified. For this reason, God has given us his written word as a measure or a plumb line for us to know the spiritual experience is indeed of the Holy Spirit or of another spirit. As charismatics, we want to balance our understanding of God's word through our intellect so what we believe does not interfere with the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me remind you at this point that I welcome your comments and your questions on my Facebook page and website. I'll provide the information for contacting me there with the show notes, but I know I'm covering a lot of ground here, and if you've got questions or comments, I want to hear from you. Okay, so here are some of the questions for you. How has your faith been impacted so far this year? I mean, with all that's transpired in the first six months of 2020, how has your faith been challenged? How has your faith fully sustained you through all the tremendous turmoil and chaos and diseases and death and destruction we've seen? Or have you found your faith to be wanting and weaker than you'd actually like? Have you reacted to everything that's occurred so far this year? Have you been struck with anger and fear and hopelessness or despair? Fear is one of the greatest tools of the enemy because he knows when we are fearful, our faith is impaired. Fear is the antithesis of faith. We must learn not to allow fear to even have the slightest impact on us. The emphasis of this program is to help us all gain spiritual victory over life's difficult issues. And if anything has been difficult this year, the year of COVID-19, and all that has ensued is definitely one. But understand, the Lord does not want us to live with a spirit of fear. This is why he tells us in advance of the events that will take place. He's forewarning us. His forewarnings are to forearm us. And I believe we were forewarned about 2020. Let me help you see it for yourself. I remember speaking before a large regional event in November of 2018 when I prophetically declared that we are entering a whole new era. 
I was looking ahead to 2019, and I sensed from the Lord that we were not just entering a new year or a new season, but a new era. And sure enough, 2019 was the year of transition to bring us into the new era. Many other prophets were declaring exciting events for 2020, and we started off the year exceedingly optimistic. I remember personally declaring with confidence, this is my year. I sensed that this would be the year my husband and I would finally experience the promises of God spoken over to us in 1994. These prophetic promises were given to us at a time of our greatest loss during the bad economy of the early 90s, through a series of events and through no fault of our own, we were completely unemployed and we suffered great loss that extended over a period of four years. Ultimately, we lost everything, including my business, our rental property, our entire savings, and our home to foreclosure, leaving us with only our furniture, our clothing, and one car. This was a time when our children were only five and three years old. Through it all, I poured over God's promises and scripture to find truth I could stand on, truth I could believe and declare, truth to overcome the relentless fear and despair that tried to overwhelm me on a daily basis. With the early announcements of COVID-19, my optimism for 2020 being my year was not diminished. And we went into lockdown in California on March 17th, and even then, my optimism was not impacted. Clear through May and June, as protests and rioting broke out all across our nation, my optimism was still not impaired. Why? Because I have faith in the truth of God's word, his promises to his own people. I have experienced the truth of God's promises, beginning with my personal salvation. If you are a Christian, if you are one who has placed your faith in Jesus as your Redeemer and Deliverer, then you too have experienced the truth of God's Word with your spiritual transformation. I ask you to draw on that experience, draw on the truth to access the victory Christ died to give you. I've learned to seek God in prayer, Bible study, and to listen to God in what He prophetically reveals to me and to others who are proven in the faith. I have learned that God is good at all times and ever and only works for our good. I have learned the enemy of God is the father of all lies and the destroyer. So anything that brings destruction of any kind is clearly not of God. Early in 2020, we've seen the enemy of God rising up in panic, aware that God is about to move powerfully, but without knowing precisely what God is about to do. The best the enemy can do is throw evil and destruction at everything and anything and see where it sticks. In 2019, the Lord positioned all that he needed to be in perfect alignment for his strategic plans for 2020. In 2019, on the Hebrew calendar, we saw that it was the year of 5779, or the year of Ayin, A-Y-I-N, representing our eyes or our vision. In 2019, God revealed to us and he gave us vision for what his plans were for the coming year. God always reveals his plans to his people to give us hope and to prepare us for our future. Jesus said in John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus also told his disciples, he must leave so the comforter, the Holy Spirit, could come who would reveal truth to us. All truth would be revealed to us by the Holy Spirit from the Father, John 16, 7. 
So 2020, which is the Hebrew year 5780, is the year of pay, P-E-Y, or the year of the mouth. It is the year that we are to proclaim, to decree, and declare what God revealed in 2019 as his plans for 2020. As we opened the year 5780, or 2020, prophets, including myself, knew that this would be the year of justice. Justice for those who have conducted evil deeds in secret. This, then, is the year the Lord plans on exposing the corruption and bringing darkness to light. No wonder the enemy has pulled out all the stops to bring havoc, fear, confusion, pain, suffering, and chaos. As Christians, we need to understand when the Lord is about to move, the enemy stirs up all the calamity and evil he can to bring fear to God's people. But those of us who know the truth and who relentlessly and intently remain focused on truth will continue to declare the goodness and the promises of God no matter how dark it gets. Again, fear is the antithesis of faith. Faith that is mixed with any measure of fear cannot produce mountain-moving results. The enemy knows this, which is why we've been subjected to the onslaught of evil and the destruction we've seen so far into 2020. The enemy has been promoting fear at the highest level worldwide ever known in our lifetime. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. This is an unprecedented time for us to be all intentional about discovering, knowing, and standing on the truth. The truth of God's written word, the truth of God's spoken word, the truth of God's living word, namely Jesus, and all that Jesus has already accomplished. Amen. The first part of this year can be likened to the Lord pulling back the string of a giant weapon like a catapult. While the enemy scrambles in panic, sensing the impact is aimed directly at him. God is a God of justice. Justice is one of God's attributes that flows out of his holiness. God's justice is not only expressed in the final judgment, as we read about in the book of Revelation, but justice is also made known in the here and now, so we can see his authority and power at work in our midst and be encouraged in our faith. God's mercy and grace are extended precisely because he is a God of justice. God loves us so much, despite the fact that our sin demands our death, he sent his son to be our substitute upon the cross. To demonstrate his justice was not violated, but instead satisfied. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 and 5.9 Make no mistake, evil and corruption that exist outside the blood of Jesus will be dealt with according to God's justice. And again, not just in the final days of judgment, but in the here and now. The psalmist in Psalm 27, 13 said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see the goodness in the land of the living. What have you been fearful of? What losses have you suffered that seem insurmountable? What do you know about truth? Life can be so unpredictable. Joys and sorrows, beautiful blessings and distressing difficulties can come unexpectedly. Our life's dreams and plans can change in an instant. We have certainly seen and experienced the greatest loss, confusion, and chaos in our nation we've ever known. How can we find peace amid such turbulence? I know it's a matter of standing on the truth. Allow me to share a true life story about a man who knew how to stand on truth regardless of circumstances. Horatio Spafford knew something about life's unexpected challenges. He was a successful attorney, a real estate investor, 
who lost a fortune in the great Chicago fire of 1871. Around the same time, his beloved four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Thinking a vacation would do his family some good, he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to England, planning to join them after he finished some pressing business at home. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision and sunk. More than 200 people lost their lives, including all four of Horatio Spafford's precious daughters. His wife, Anna, survived the tragedy. Upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to her husband that began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England. At one point during his voyage, the captain of the ship, aware of the tragedy that had struck the Spafford family, summoned Horatio to tell him that they were now passing over the very spot where the shipwreck had occurred. As Horatio thought about his daughters, words of comfort and hope filled his heart and his mind, and he wrote them down, and they have since become a well-beloved hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. We cannot always say that everything is well in all aspects of our lives. There will always be storms to face, and sometimes there will be tragedies. But with faith, a confident faith conviction that is solidly based on truth, we won't be daunted. If you must admit that your faith has been sorely tested this year, by all means rejoice because God has exposed the condition of your faith so you can partner with him to fortify your faith. Understand, there still will be other trials that you and I will have to face in life. And if we make proper use of the testing of our faith in this trial, we will be better equipped for the testing of our faith in the future. You know, faith is like a muscle. It must be exercised or it will atrophy. This year has most definitely been a year where God has caused his people to develop our faith. No doubt, he wants us to be strong and fit for the victory battles that are yet before us. Because effective faith is dependent on truth. Next week and the week after, we'll explore truth and how we can make some sense out of current events and other challenges against our faith, right here on this podcast known as Faith to Live By. As a person in Christian ministry, I believe it's highly important to promote other worthy Christian organizations highlighting the work they do for the kingdom. At the top of my list is Child Care Worldwide. They've been working for years establishing their presence in various countries to gain trust with the government and other aspects of the communities. The brilliance of this is when a crisis occurs, such as a flood, hurricane, or earthquake, the government readily accepts the assistance from child care worldwide to bring laborers and relief because of the trust they have gained. Between disaster relief, child care worldwide works to transform children's lives by exposing them to the gospel of Jesus Christ, providing for their physical needs, and sponsoring their education. Child Care Worldwide connects sponsors with children through Christ-based life centers. With sponsors and life centers removing barriers, children grow spiritually and physically into thriving, productive adults. Another reason Child Care Worldwide is at the top of my list is because their stellar rating when it comes to the percent of the donated dollar that actually goes to the cause. The founder and his successor have worked hard to keep administrative costs as low as possible so the maximum amount goes to the needs of the people they seek to help. 
With this program on faith, I wanted to introduce you to Child Care Worldwide as an opportunity for you to increase the faith of others through sponsorship. I recorded my conversation with Sheree Tillis, the Community Engagement Manager, and I want to share it with you right now. Sheree, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. Can you tell a little bit about the organization beyond what I've already shared so that my audience has a pretty good flavor of what you're all about? Yeah, definitely. So things have changed a bit in the last few years. We have a new president, Bill Meanhouse, who started in November of 2018. So since then, we've just kind of taken a look at the work that we do, and he's really brought in a good, solid mission, vision, and values. And so our primary focus as an organization is to share the gospel and hope of Jesus Christ, and then also provide for our children's physical needs and sponsor their education. So our main goal is that we would remove barriers that keep kids from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not just hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're also helping when it comes to poverty levels, right? Exactly. And so um, that's our goal. We consider those the basic needs that kind of can be barriers. I know years ago when I first learned about then Child Care International, uh, we sponsored a child. His name was Isaac. And he was in Africa. And I have, still have to this day every letter he ever wrote to us. And I remember in particular one letter where he wrote in larger print, he was so excited because the Christmas gift that the family got that year was a goat and some chickens and some rice to read the enthusiasm, the joy, the gratitude that came from this young man, Isaac, who was a teenager at the time, was just unbelievable. I mean, we don't understand that so much here in America because we've got so many things at our disposal, including clean water. Yeah, definitely. And it is just so great to hear those stories and the joy that they receive um, when they receive those gifts from you. And it's just so important to them and valuable to them. Mm -hmm. So you still sponsor children, as I mentioned, between, you know, crises and, and, and Mother Nature doing its thing. You still mm -hmm. allow people to sponsor children. Tell us a little bit about that and how it works today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so sponsorship, uh, the cost is $40 a month, and that sponsorship covers our children's life center attendance, their education, and then some of their basic needs. So our life centers are basically partnerships with local churches. So once a week, our children will attend a center on a Saturday for about uh, three to four hours. They'll hear a gospel message, they'll play games, they'll receive food, um, and they'll just have great lessons. And then they'll also have healthy, safe adults who are checking in to make sure their basic needs are being met. Good, very nice. And when it comes to these three and four hour meetings, I, I can't imagine any of the kids here in America being in church that long. <laughs> I suppose yeah. you've got a different uh, response to the children that you serve, right? Yeah, and it's definitely a time of like learning, but also games and play. So each of our life centers look different depending on the area, but they have a good structure for how they have that set up for the day. Okay, what are some of the countries that uh, Child Care Worldwide is actually present in currently? Yeah, so we work in India, Kenya, Peru, Sri Lanka, and Uganda. Some very significant countries in terms of uh, poverty levels and even clean drinking water. Can you share a little bit about how you go about helping communities? Yeah, definitely. Um, so at our life centers and some of our partnering churches, some of the communities need clean water. So we have clean water tanks that we get set up there. And that can serve whole communities. It can serve the churches. I mean, it's a great outreach opportunity for the church to minister to their communities in need. 
And one of the things I like about the organization is that you don't go in and do it for the people. You mm -hmm. teach the people how to sustain themselves, right? Yeah, we uh, partner with local directors. And from there, they're able to address the needs for the people in their community. So they know best and we work with them. So we're able to empower those communities. It's just such a tremendous partnership when you do that. How many of the children who have been sponsored through your organization turn around and then maybe seek a career or at least seek to volunteer to continue to help childcare worldwide? Yeah, so we've heard lots of great testimonies of children who have said that sponsorship has made a huge impact in their lives and they want to go back and serve their communities. My sponsor child, Gloria, actually came into the program when she was about 12, but she studied to become a nurse um, and actually just graduated this year. But in her letters that I've received from her, she says she wants to give back to her community um, because of what has been done for her. So it's really neat to just see how they have received, but they also want to turn around and give back to their mm -hmm. communities. Mm -hmm. I really wanted my audience to know about childcare worldwide and to know my passion for your organization and to know a little bit about childcare worldwide. And I want to give them an opportunity to learn more about your organization. So I'm going to provide a website that they can visit, childcareworldwide.org slash PCM. And the PCM stands for Pamela Christian Ministries. That way the organization can know that it's through my efforts and through my audience that we are connecting with the organization childcare worldwide. Shirei, what would be one story in particular, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, mm -hmm. but one story in particular of a child or even a parent that uh, was really blessed by something that occurred through childcare worldwide that you'd like to share right now? We have a 13-year-old girl named Edith who uh, was a part of our program and she started attending life centers. She was the youngest of six siblings and her family worked really hard, but they had a really small income and were struggling financially. She would worry about not having enough money for food or her parents not having enough money for rent and it was really impacting her. And so when she received sponsorship, she was able to attend school and that helped lighten the load. And then as she attended Life Center, she started wanting more of the hope of Jesus for herself. So her faith began to grow. And as she watched her family start to struggle financially and they were falling behind in rent, she started praying to God and trusting in him. And what's really neat is that after she prayed, her father was offered work and was actually paid in advance. So he was able to cover their rent. And so this isn't just impacting Edith, it's impacting her family. And it's just a great testament to the work that God's doing. And that's just one story. I mean, the organization has actually existed how many years now? Yeah, so we were founded in 1981. A very long time. Yeah. As I mentioned when we first started out, at the top of my list is childcare worldwide for the many, many good things you've done consistently through the years. And again, the fact that the percentage of the dollar, the highest percentage possible truly goes to the need. And so I want to ask my listeners, if you have been looking for a way that you can express your gratitude to God for the benefits and blessings that you have, and you would like to potentially learn more about child care worldwide and what it would take for you to sponsor a child. As Sheree mentioned, the cost for not just sponsoring the child's education, but also their spiritual growth and a lot of their sustenance, the things that they need to live on on a daily basis, food, and water, and things like that. You could visit the website. Again, that address is childcareworldwide.org slash PCM. And when you support Child Care Worldwide, you're also supporting my program right here, 
Faith to Live By that you listen to on this network. And I want to thank you. You know, I never do ask you to support me directly, but when you support the sponsors and the partners that I bring on my program, you are supporting me and you're supporting my sponsors and partners. Sheree, in closing, what would you like to say? Yeah, I would just, one, like to say thank you so much for having me on your show today. And I would just encourage you all who are listening that this giving towards the children in our program would make a, not just an impact towards their basic needs, but it would make a long life impact towards their spiritual development and growth. Absolutely. And where we plant the seed of the gospel and watch it grow, we can expect that it's going to be planted again and again and nurtured. Sheree, I want to thank you very much for being on the program. I want to have you back. I also want to have some actual testimonials from some of the families or children that you've served and, and maybe even a, a comment or two from a donor so that my audience can really get a proper understanding of what childcare worldwide is all about. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me here today. All right. I'm Pam Christian. You're listening to Faith to Live By, and this is just one partner I look forward to bringing to your attention as we meet each week. Our program today has been part two of Understanding Faith, and as you've just heard, the faith of a 13-year-old little girl named Edith and that of her entire family was increased because of people like you being willing to be her sponsor. I hope you'll consider becoming a sponsor. I'll have the contact information available for you on the show notes. Faith to Live By is a division of Pamela Christian Ministries, LLC, a ministry that began in 1997 and has grown to offer many different goods and services. There's my multi-award-winning Faith to Live By book series, our travel division, my speaking and teaching ministry, my award-winning blog, and some more things as well. I invite you to visit my main website, PamelaChristianMinistries.com. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the gospel and helps people learn how to best apply their Christian faith. Be sure to follow me on Facebook at Faith to Live by TV, on Twitter at PL Christian, and on LinkedIn at Pamela Christian. If you'd like to be one of my insiders, subscribe to my complimentary bi-monthly e-newsletter. I offer you your choice of a free gift in appreciation of your subscription. And lastly, visit my page for this show at faithtoliveby.com to enjoy all of the podcasts and broadcasts we've produced for Faith to Live By. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen to part one and part two of Understanding Faith. Beginning next week, We'll start part one on discovering truth right here on Faith to Live By, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, I'm Pam Christian, asking you to remember, Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for Him. Amen.